Welcome to another episode of the Carolyn Glick Mideast News Hour. I'm joined once again by co-host Gadi Taub. Hey, Gadi. Hello from Tel Aviv. Hey. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about um, the coalition agreements and the coalition government that Israel's uh, uh, Israel's about to see formed, and it's uh, it's due to be sworn in uh, sometime in the next several days. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Uh, but we're just going to be talking about uh, the form that the new coalition government is taking, uh, what it's all about, and what it means for Israel going forward, uh, both uh, internally inside of Israel and Israel's sovereignty, and also externally, and what it means for our relations with the nations of the region and with the United States. And we'll just do a spoiler alert real quick. Uh, it's all bad news. So, uh, right, Gotti? I mean, is there anything yeah. good that we want to talk about, or yeah. is it all lousy? I, I, the only thing I can think about is the, we can go on offense now and stop playing defense. That, that would there be a great go. relief. There you go. There you go. So, it's true. One of the nice things about uh, being in the opposition is that you can... Uh, you basically take your gloves off and you you don't have to defend something that you don't like but it's what happens when you uh have to uh you have to make compromises in office that's what uh, politics is all about it's the art of the possible it's doing the best you possibly can with the cards that you that you've drawn from the deck Caroline and, uh, in order for you to take your gloves off you've got to put them on sometime oh you mean uh, <laughs> you mean I'm not a coalition player all right yeah, well, no, you're not I mean the you're one of the sharpest commentators here that's why I love this show oh well there that's why I love you too Gotti that's why we're in it together right because neither of us pull our punch yeah I can yeah <laughs> but now we're gonna we're gonna be going at that punching bag and the punching bag and we're gonna be bludgeoning it oh but we're not allowed to say that because that's one of the great things about our new government is that they're they're all they haven't even formed yet they haven't even been sworn in and they're already saying that everybody who opposes them is inciting violence and should come under a police investigation you know immediately right because opposing the sweetness and light coalition that's now being formed is an is is a criminal act which by the way we shouldn't be surprised by because look at what prime minister netanyahu has been indicted for he's been indicted for um, basically being a politician, right? That's, that's yeah. his crime. And, and, and for all the time that they were in the opposition, the clock always said 1933, and it was always the rise of Nazism. Now the clock will always say January 6th, right? Because anything we do is going to be a, a, an attack on Capitol Hill. An insurrection. Insurrection. An insurrection. I actually, I actually argued with someone who is an editor of Foreign News, who said that, who, who, I think it was the 7th of January, he said, what are you talking about? He told me this is a Nazi insurrection. A Nazi insurrection. No less. This is the burning of the Reichstag. Unbelievable. Proportions. Well, you know, the truth is that you have hundreds of American citizens, loyal, law-abiding American citizens, who are now rotting in jail, facing 20 years in prison for trespassing. So, so the, these 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 wonderful winds are coming to our our country as well, and anything now is incitement. Um, especially, you can't say traitors, right? So, I picked something from Aaretz, someone, a former colleague of mine, who, when Benny Gantz in the, one of the last rounds, when Benny Gantz moved from the anti-Bibi block to form a, this government that we have now with Bibi, he, he, the, the headline said. Yes, Drucker, it's the name of another journalist. Yes, Drucker, they are traitors. So just remember, what the left is allowed to do, the right is never allowed to do. 
Well, that's right. So I, I was on a radio uh, program on Friday morning, and I said that, uh, that uh, um, I mean, it was in Hebrew, and but I said that uh, uh, Naftali Bennett, who's going to be our prime minister, except he's going to be a scarecrow prime minister. I mean, he has no power. We're going to get into that in just a second, but we just have to let off steam. We're ventilating here at the beginning of our broadcast, and then we're going to get really serious because we're pretty freaked out and frustrated and upset. So we're just going to share that with you, our viewers and listeners, for just one second, then we promise, promise, right, Gotti? We promise that we're going to give you intelligent analysis of everything. But I'm giving this radio interview, and I said in Hebrew that... uh, 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 Naftali um, is treacherous, that he committed treachery or, or treason. It's the same word in Hebrew, right? And so the, uh, the interviewer said, oh, last time that right-wingers used that term, it ended up with three bullets uh, in the prime minister in Tel Aviv. And I said, oh, I see. I said, well, here, I, I have a request for you, please. You know, can you publish in one of the newspapers a list of all of the words that right-wingers are no longer able to say so that we know and we can launder over our vocabulary a- appropriately? But we need to know. So please just put out that list as quickly as possible so we'll know what the new rules are under the new regime. And uh, he said, oh, I don't have the authority to do that. And I said, I think you do. So just do us all a favor. Yeah, the the media kangaroo court. Yeah. Right. So, so please just let us know what the new rules are, because really, just so, just so you understand, the news in Israel has really been dominated by this fake discourse about incitement, and that's how we know that everything is starting, and everything is what we're going to get into in a second. But everything is starting because first thing that you have to do is bar anybody from criticizing what you're about to do by delegitimizing your opponents. Until you do that, you know, you can't really move forward. So right now, before this government has even been sworn in, the media and the politicians, Naftali Bennett, Yair Lapid, and all of their comrades in arms are all, Gidon Saar gave an impassioned statement against incitement yesterday. They're all going to the mattresses to delegitimize all of their opponents and say everybody who they stood with, you know, the day before yesterday in, in the case of, uh, in the case of Naftali Bennett and Giron Saar and never in the case of uh, Yair Lapid, all of them are enemies of the people and they're dangerous and you mustn't listen to any of us because that's just the way. It, in fact, they have blacklists already being put out on Twitter by left-wing activists with names of media organizations and prominent journalists. You're on it. I'm not. Ha <laughs> ha. You're not. You're, I, I think you're on Barack's list. I think you I are. Didn't, I think I you didn't are. see me. Uh. Well, I don't know. I was actually hurt. But all right. I, I, I mean, they said all of all of my newspaper is Relayom. So I thought, well, maybe I'm included there. But anyway, so, you know, they have a list a of names. What named to names. be included I'm, like in a group. Uh, I was really upset. Yeah, you're right. You're right, because you have been one of the leading prominent right wing voices for how I I remember being scared of you, Caroline, when I was (laughs) when you back when you were left. By the way, that dangerous woman. Yeah. Yes, I'm fire breathing. Anyway, don't mess with don't mess with Texas. I was born in Houston. You know that don't mess with (laughs) Carolyn. But um, no, but, you know, uh, we by the way, we know readers, I mean, viewers, Listeners, we've gotten requests from a, from a number of you for Gotti to tell his personal story of how he moved from the left to the right. Oh. But right now, 
Um, we just have a lot of people that we have to attack before it's made illegal. So um, we'll we'll talk about Gotti and his journey, like you know, Next after time. we've been barred. Well, after we've been barred by by new law from from saying anything that's actually important. And, and I mean, this is of course very important, but uh, to you, I mean, to us, it's all important. We want to know you, Gotti. It's important to know the real. <laughs> no, we learn to speak in allegories, right? We'll, yes, well, yes. exactly. We're going to put together a whole new way of explaining things metaphorically. Everything's going to be done by metaphors. I, I have a very it. interesting story about the ugly duckling who stopped being a leftist, but that's for, for another time. another time. But that's after <laughs> we've actually been barred from saying anything. So let's use this c coming hour to discuss now that we've ventilated. Right. <laughs> let's, let's go into uh, let's go into the nitty gritty. So what do you want to start with first? You want to start with the uh, with what they're doing to Netanyahu or you want to start with what they're doing to sovereignty? What do you think? I, I, I think I think we have to start with with the fact that 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 it's become completely postmodern, that what they what they did to politics now and it's it's been happening not just here these are these are the wins we see the same thing with the role of the media in america we we see a a, a surrender to the idea that there is only narrative and that facts could be completely erased this is the ben rods uh, 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 worldview and these people now now people are saying i'm since i'm arguing on Twitter. I don't I don't know that it's a good thing in the long run, these Twitter arguments. But I'm arguing with and and and, and Naftali Bennett has cold bloodedly has taken right wing uh, voters and made them the bedrock of a left wing coalition by telling them a lie, by telling them that this is what he would not do. And the fact that you can get away with this is the most striking thing. And 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 what these people say when you argue with them on Twitter is but Bibi. Every did you notice, Caroline? Everything they answer starts with but Bibi. So supposedly Bibi is this great liar. I don't know that Bibi is a, a liar. I don't think he is, though he maneuvers like any politicians. But always in the service of his voters. Naftali Bennett just just completely turned his back on his on his own voters who who, who will not vote for him again. He just took their votes and moved them to the exact opposite of what he promised to do. But he can get away with this now and, and by saying Aval Bibi. So, so there, there, are, there are no standards. And since they demonized Bibi in this topsy-turvy, crazy discourse that the media is imposing on us, since Bibi is the demon, everything is permitted. I don't know that this is an argument. This is just a sentiment, right? It's a metaphor. Since Bibi is the great devil, then there are no rules anymore because he already did it. Now, you, well, you know, it's not just that. I mean, part of it, part of it is that part of it is the utter shamelessness and the in, the, the the sort of continuous insult to our intelligence, right? Because um, Naftali gave an interview to Amit Segal, who's sort of the big uh, honcho uh, political commentator on uh, Channel Twelve, which has monopoly uh, share of the uh, of the primetime news market here. So he gives this interview to uh, Amit Segal. And he and he acknowledges that he completely misled all of his voters about everything that he was going to do. Um, but he made a distinction between um, regular promises and like, I don't know core, what you call them. Core. core promises. So there are regular promises and there are core promises. Now, what are the regular promises? 
I'm on the I'm on the right. I will never leave the right. I will never be in a coalition with Yair Lapid. I will never I will never form a government with him with rotating premierships. I will never he, join he a coalition actually, with left wing parties. Just one footnote, Karen. Just he actually signed a paper on live TV showing it to the camera that he would never under any condition form a government with Yair Lapid. He actually did this right. while I will knowing never, I will never while nego- knowing will... that he's that, that this is a deception. The whole thing is a lie. I will never negotiate with the Islamist party, Ram, the United Arab List. I will never do any of these things. He called these, in his interview, regular promises. What was his core promise? His core promise is, I will not permit fifth elections. Okay? So everything that people actually cared about when they went to vote for him, those are just regular promises. Now, that would be bad enough. That would be bad enough, right? He said, I am a liar. I am a pathological liar. The only thing that you can believe that I say are stuff that's in my own personal interest. Everything that's in the public interest, I'm gonna, I just lied. I lied completely. I lied 100%, but it's not a big deal because those are just regular promises. The core promises for him, a core promise is just a promise that relates to him personally because he knew that all of these regular lies that he told were going to ensure that if there are fifth elections, he won't get reelected. So for him, blocking fifth elections is the only thing that's important because that's o- the only thing that relates specifically to him. And everything else just relates to the country. And who cares? But that's just one aspect. That would be terrible enough. You know, that would go down in history as the most unbelievable statement ever made by a politician in Israel and arguably in any democracy. But then he he carried on the next day. He gave a speech that all three channels carried and you know it live because he is the incoming prime minister and we all have to care about what he says. No fact checking. The fact checking is only for Netanyahu. Now, right. And so he says, he says, uh, he, and this is what we're going to talk about next is what he's done with the Islamist party, Ram. And we're going to talk a little bit about them. But he says, Netanyahu is lying when he says that I'm doing something that he never did. He's a liar. He's a big fat liar. I'm telling the truth. I always tell the truth. I love this country. You're my people. I'm your leader. Netanyahu is mean and corrupt and a liar, a liar, a liar, pants on fire. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself, you don't care. You literally just told us yesterday that you are the biggest liar in the history of Israeli politics, and now you're telling us that we should believe you because Netanyahu is a liar. And and that, to me, was so striking, right? Because it, it's, it's the utter shamelessness of it all. And you're talking about postmodernism, and it's true that nothing is related to anything. There's no context. There's no past. There's no yesterday, Right. There's no tomorrow. There are going to be no consequences to anything that they do because everything is sweetness and light. And anybody who says any differently is inciting violence. He's an insurrectionist. He's January 6th, the Capitol Hill riots. He's Trump. You know, so all of this stuff, like they're they're making it so that everything is of the moment. And of course, the media is going with him because the like you said, this but BB thing, but BB didn't do this, but BB didn't do that. It's a way to dumb down the discourse to the level of, you know, uh, uh, Down syndrome, because what they're saying here, it, because they refuse to see uh, the, the distinction between normal political wrangling, which involves trading horses, which involves 
making deals, which involves making the best of a very imperfect situation. In Israel, it involves having very little governability, governing power, because most of the governing power is in the hands of an ultra-radical legal establishment that blocks almost every government initiative that involves applying Israeli sovereignty uh, towards Israeli Arabs. And we're going to get into this in a second. They said, well, Bibi did this. And so the idea is to hide the actual problem from the public, which is the legal fraternity, blame Netanyahu for all of his failures, say that he already did what you're actually doing when he did no such thing. Bibi made, uh, had to make do with an imperfect situation, and he never gave up on any principles. That is, there was never any question that uh, of his commitment to Israeli sovereignty over all of Israel's sovereign territory and also to large swaths of Judea and Samaria. Here, what they're doing is they're, they're giving it up. They're conceding all of these things at the outset and then saying there's nothing different between what we've just done and what Netanyahu has done for the past 10 years when there's actually no similarity whatsoever between what they're doing and what's been going on for the past decade. But you're, if, you, if you mention that, again, you're cut off because it takes you more than uh, 30 seconds or five words, actually, of a soundbite to make the point. So you can't make the point in a news program. They cut you off. They don't let you. Three uh, leftist commentators who pretend to be objective uh, uh, interrupt you. They don't let you talk. All they say over and over and over again is the same lie, right? And and you're stuck with a discourse that's based on no context, no past, no future, and no truth, and no shame. And so that's really where they're that's sort of the that's sort of the the path that they're embarking on. And anybody who doesn't join them in this path, Ehud Barak, the former premier, said that. Anybody who opposes this, anybody who continues to support Netanyahu after this government is formed, he, you better be careful. You, you're, you're, you've been warned. You're going to get in trouble. That's what he wrote on Twitter yesterday. So they're threatening us. Of course, not me. My name wasn't on the list, but um, but they're threatening oh, you. Oh, they don't mean you. No, Why they don't mean they? me. No, they don't mean no. me. No, but uh, and, and so it's am- and it's amazing the immunity that someone like Ehud Barak has. He's been photographed outside of Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Epstein's mansion. Um, there was actually Adele Segal and I did this on on. on there was no follow up. We did this on the radio. Uh, the neighbors at a building up on the east side where Jeffrey Epstein housed his hostage minor models, uh, the neighbors complained that Barack used to come and stay there. Uh, they complained because his security detail was 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 creating uh, a nuisance in the lobby, and nobody picked this up here. You know, all the feminists who are who are still hounding Chaim Ramon for having kissed someone. There's complete silence because th- this because this this uh, this uh, symbiosis between the uh, the m- marginal but but manipulative. The left-wing parties, the judiciary, which is the real government in Israel, which is almost completely on the radical left, its its uh, its informant enforcement arm, which is the attorney general and the Yoetza Mishpati, the 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 legal counsel to the government, the the attorney general, the attorney general, and the press. 
and so 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 this cooperation between these these people they have completely demonized Netanyahu over the indictments which are ridiculous but people who don't know anything and i speak to these people often they don't they just don't completely innocent are convinced that Netanyahu is a traitor to the country he is the devil incarnate and what is most striking that israel is in a terrible shape israel is in the best shape it was Ever, ever. It, 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 the the Economist um, uh, listed the t- ten strongest countries in the world. We are number eight, and people are are and walking around Tel Aviv. And they're not known for being a pro-Israel magazine. Oh to no, the no, not at all. And and people and and the standard of living here is amazing. And we have emerged unscathed from the collapse in 2008 and now from the corona we are the first the first state to emerge from the and people are walking in tel aviv like they're moonstruck and that israel is is in total collapse because of netanyahu it's like the, the and you see the the power of a corrupt media it's just like they've they've managed to completely blot out reality and so and so Ehud Barak feels completely immune and you know he's been he's been under investigations and was not indicted he is considered and so by, by the way was Buzi Herzog who has now uh, been elected overwhelmingly in the next president of Israel and he's actually I think part of this whole thing you know be, because because again it's not just that the left can say what the right cannot the 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 left can get away with murder or close to it um and 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 not be investigated and the right and people on the right some of them you, some of the there is now a history of how would you say Caroline Firatikim yeah of of uh of i mean it, it's called sewing uh sewing uh indictments but it's not that it's you know manufacturing uh manufacturing crimes i mean there's there's no there's there's no what what Net, what happened with netanyahu just to be very clear he's being indicted for bribery for for bribery and for accepting bribes now what was the bribe the bribe is uh that he asked for and received positive coverage from a minor news site called Walla that was owned by a guy who owns a big telecommunications firm in in Israel uh, called Bezek. And so they claim that uh, Netanyahu received positive coverage from this website. Which is not true. It's not true. No, I was going to get into that. But before forgetting for a second, just assuming for a second that he got positive coverage, under the statute of bribery in Israel, that is not a form of bribe. That you know, a bribe is not positive coverage. There's no a connection because if you if you say that positive news coverage is a bribe, right, then you're criminalizing journalism. Because then, you know, anytime that I say something positive about a politician, I can find myself under criminal investigation. What did you get in 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 uh, in exchange for that? What did your newspaper get in exchange for that? You know, what kind of connection do you have with this politician? So, first by the way, of all, same if you, you criticize know, someone because that would be on the, yes. the, the the flip side of the same thing. Why are you criticizing him and not him? Right. So, yeah. because all what what this does the the concept of it is it exists in no statute of bribery in any democracy. I don't know whether it existed in the Soviet Union, but it it certainly doesn't exist in any democratic rule of law. So that's what we're facing now, right? So he was he was indicted for this, and of course, as as Gadi said, the absurd thing is that he never received any good coverage from this website. And on the other hand, a lot of leftist uh, uh, politicians, including, by the way, Herzog, who's now our president-elect, received 
awesome coverage from them in in direct communication with the CEO of this website. And um, and and so this was all, you know, it was all a lie. The whole thing was a lie. He got no positive coverage. Oh, and he wasn't involved at all in the regulatory process. So that that you know that in that involved this telecommunications company. So the whole thing is a lie. They criminalized a non-criminal act. Now, why did they do this? Because Netanyahu didn't didn't commit any crime. So the only way that he could be indicted for anything was by claiming that the actions that he did commit are crimes. So they redefined statutes, accepting gifts in excess of what's permitted under Israeli law. That's another thing that he's being uh, indicted, that he's under indictment for. But that's an arbitrary determination to, to say that, you know, he could, he could have gotten two bottles of champagne, but he can't get 20 bottles of champagne. Well, that's, that's an arbitrary determination by an attorney general. It puts it, it, it puts arbitrary power in the hands of an unelected official. And that's in itself, uh, uh, an abrogation of the rule of law. You have to have one law for everybody. So he's taking an amorphous statute to use it against one person that he didn't use it against another person. And that is also illegal because that is a selective enforcement of the law. You're not allowed to do that either. So the whole thing is basically taking actions that Netanyahu actually did, right? He did want to get better coverage for himself and for his family from this website. Just like, you know, in every newspaper, just like every politician does in every newspaper, right? And in every, and in every, every media organization, that's, that's their bread and butter. So he engaged in normal politics. They took actions that he did indisputably. They said that this was criminal, only specifically about Netanyahu. We're going to get into this in a second in the law that they're proposing passing in this new coalition government that are also specifically against Netanyahu. We've never had anything like this. So we have indictments that are that are that are built, you know, that are uh, built to fit, uh, you know, uh, uh, just one person, right, Netanyahu that are involving criminalizing normal political activities, but only for Netanyahu. And now we're going to get new laws that are only for Netanyahu. And so this is who we're up against. They stop at nothing. They have no shame. They lie and they don't care. And they, they, they take a situation, distort it, to blame Netanyahu for it and to hide the people that are actually responsible for it, then they make it worse and they blame Netanyahu for that as well. But so you this know, is sort but of the loop the, that we're the in. The irony in, of it all is that Netanyahu has gotten, the, the press has been hounding Netanyahu almost to the extent that the American press has been hounding Donald Trump. And, and in the end, he is indicted for inviting positive coverage this this man has been like the the press has been demonizing him to an extreme extent and Since he the made 1990s. and he made one step to try and counter this and immediately it's like their you know their collective uh, subconscious is just is just projecting they've been lying about him all the time and the minute he tries to defend himself and this has been happening this is people who have who have tried to invest in in, uh, in 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 trying to create, let's say, uh, an Israeli Fox Channel, found himself uh, interviewed by the the police, so that that anything, any attempt by the right to to uh, to create right wing outlets is 
the the left and the judiciary are moving to criminalize that. So 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 it, it, think of of how. The, the American media is is relatively uh, pluralistic to relative to our scene, but anything that you, so imagine that Netanyahu as minister he was also holding the portfolio of communications was would have tried to give a license to an Israeli Fox News they would have immediately considered this a bribe and immediately made it a crime. So so the, we are being held under the grip of a very very corrupt system who is who is trying. To to uh, block all avenues for right wing thought, not just for right wing expression, and and what is amazing or politics, that, uh, or, and of course politics. But there's like a hierarchy from you know ideas to ideology to to political day to day, and all this. And regardless of all this, we are still winning the war of ideas <clears throat> because the left is completely bereft of argument. It's just I think amazing. That it's important. I yeah. agree, and and but I really want to get in because last week we didn't talk about it because we didn't know yet um, about what Naftali Bennett ha- and and Yair Lapid and Gidon Sar are agreeing uh, to do in respect to uh, in respect to Ram, the Islamist party. And here I just want to preface: you say, "Oh, Carolyn, you were for talking to talking to uh, uh, the this part of the United Arab List, and that's absolutely true. I was, but you know." I I think that had I been presented, in fact, I know that if I had been presented with a list of demands that that Ram, this party, presented to them, I would have said, "Okay, great. Have no. a great day." You know, thank you. No, thank you. There is literally no way that any responsible leader should ever even consider agreeing to this. My view, and I and I still hold to it. I still hold to it, is that. You know, there are two possibilities in Israel's dealings with the Arab world and the Israeli Arabs and the Palestinian Arabs, and and they are these. Either Israel can command respect or it can uh, beggar contempt. Those are the two possibilities. And if Israel commands respect, to my mind, just as we see articulated in the Abraham Accords, we can reach a stable, meaningful uh, coexistence with our Arab le- our, our Arab neighbors that work to the benefit of both. But they're predicated first and foremost most on an acceptance of Israel as a Jewish state and our right to sovereignty in our country. All right, and if that's accepted, then you know everything's possible. If that's rejected, which is what's happened with the Palestinians, and to a degree, what's also happened with the Jordanians and what happened until Sisi with the Egyptians, then, you know, we don't have a real peace. We have a paper peace. And the paper peace is actually working to Israel's detriment because uh, we're misled. And the then the legitimacy that we've given, particularly to the Palestinians and the money and the land and the arms that they've received as a consequence of their peace deals with Israel that are based on a non-acceptance of Israel as a Jewish state, all work to uh, to further their efforts to annihilate Israel politically, militarily, from a terrorist perspective, from a land perspective, from a financial perspective with the BDS, and so on and so forth. So everything is possible if it's based upon an acceptance of who we are. 
And the only possibility and the only prospect is instability, weakening of Israel, harming Israel, and in the case of the Palestinians, a constant drumbeat of hatred, incitement, punctuated by mass campaigns of terrorism. So um, with, with, with the Rom party, when they said that they were willing to come in and discuss various collaborative agreements with Likud or with the left, I said, you know, out of idealism and belief, you know, that it's possible that we can reach a, uh, a, uh, stable, uh, equilibrium with the Israeli Arabs, just as we did with the Gulf states that is based again on an acceptance of true recognition of Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state and the permanence of the Jewish state as a feature in our region, then fine, let's talk and see what they have to offer. But we see with, with Ram's uh, uh, demands that have been met by Bennett and by uh, Lapid is that that's not how they came to the table. Or perhaps they would have come to the table if somebody had commanded respect and commanded recommendation and demanded recognition. But what we find is that Lapid, Bennett, Saar, and the rest of their cronies did not. To the contrary, they treated Ram the same way that Rabin and Paris and Barak treated Arafat. That is, they don't accept him. They don't expect him to do anything except demand except demand the erosion of the the sovereignty of the Jewish state, and they agreed to it. Um, so that's what's so stunning. And according to the coalition agreements that have already been published, right, what they've done and how this is coming about is that uh, they have agreed to freeze the enforcement of Israel's building and zoning laws towards Arab Israelis, okay, in the entire country. They have agreed to stop uh, issuing fines against is illegal Arab building throughout the country. They have agreed to uh, freeze the destruction of, of uh, illegal structures for which there is a destruction order out from the courts. After it's been brought to the courts, it's been adjudicated, and the courts have found that the state is correct and these illegal structures should be destroyed. And just to be clear, that when I talk about the failure of Netanyahu in governing Israel for the past decade as a result of the radicalization of the legal system. So every time that the government tried to enforce building and planning zones, particularly in the Negev, which we'll get to in a second, um, the police, if they did anything, they would try to arrest the people who are doing it. And then the legal, uh, the, the, either the attorneys and the prosecutors would refuse to indict them, or even if they indicted them, the courts would release them. And then they would come and they would kill the people or or destroy the or or destroy the uh, the the building equipment of the people who 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 complained against them in the first place. So there was no enforcement of the laws, not as a result of government decision, but as a result of the malfeasance of Israel's judiciary at the local level, at, at the magistrates' court level, at the district courts level, at the supreme court level and of the uh, prosecution in the south, in the north, and in the center of the country in relation to Arab illegal buildings. So that and, and despite that, despite that, in 2020, there's been a 13% uh, increase 
in enforcing the the uh, the the laws against illegal building so the, and this is according to human rights organizations who have been who have been complaining that the law is being enforced so that these people when they say now but netanyahu didn't do anything this has become the catchword for whatever you want whatever crime you want to do you just say but netanyahu so they're what they're doing is netanyahu didn't do enough but he did something they are going to just hand this over to ram and Ram's constituency are exactly those people in the Negev, the Bedouins, who are taking over. The, it's it's like you know it's the Wild West. It's it's the, the, the it's the frontier of Palestine. It's they're, they're just taking over by physically erecting illegal structures on on on, on government on ev- land. On government land, yeah. And, and, and everyone's that- retreating. The police is retreating, and they're using. There was these absurd scenes in which they stole weapons from 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 IDF bases, and 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 the IDF is it feels its hands are tied because it's scared of the judiciary. So and it's, it's not like, just it's that it, they're actually building illegal communities in fire zones in the IDF training bases in the Negev. So imagine you, it, it, it constra- it's a national security threat against Israel in the sense that it, it constrains our, our forces' ability to train for war because not only are they stealing the weapons, including, you know, some really serious uh, missile systems, you know, shoulder, shoulder-fired missiles. They, they've, been, they've been stealing Lao missiles. Uh, these, are, these are big deals. And or Tau missiles, sorry, and they're and they're stealing them, and they're building uh, illegal communities on bases, uh, in fire zones inside of the live fire zones inside of training bases in the Negev, and you know if you drive, uh, if you come to visit Israel and you drive from the center of country uh, down to uh, a lot for vacation. Um, and you go down through Beersheva, you see that there are these communities on either side of the of the highway. I mean, you don't have to go looking for them. They're all over, and they're changing the landscape of the Negev. And then that, that was the other thing. So one of the ways that Israel was able in recent years to increase enforcement of the laws, despite the legal fraternity, is that the Knesset, uh, it took a long time, but they passed a law, which is dubbed the Kamenitz Law, which gave additional tools to law enforcement and and um, I think it also decreased the uh, the freedom uh, of the legal fraternity to decide punishments for a lot of these people, so that they were compelled to enforce the law by the Knesset. They gave minimal punishments and so on and so forth for these breaches and minimal fines. And that the idea was to take away the judgment, the you know the freedom of the freedom of, of operation of of these radical jurists. So uh, the question was, what was going to happen to the Kamenitz law? And what's happening to the Kamenitz law is that it's being frozen. It's not going to be enforced. And the other thing that's happening is that all of these illegal uh, settlements by Bedouin in the Negev that are that are undermining Israel's sovereignty are going to be recognized. So they said in the first instance, three of them, which in a way it's not that big of a deal. It's sort of in the consensus. The Netanyahu government had agreed to... Uh, recognize three of these illegal communities and and grant them uh, official status in Israel, which I think is is not great, but okay. I don't know. I'm not wasn't involved in the discussions. And I certainly haven't been following the story. But what that's one thing. So well, Netanyahu was doing that. Yeah, but, but then there's Netanyahu, more, right? The, the eternal argument, right? Uh, but then they're going on from there. 
They're saying that there are, you know, a dozen other of these communities that are going to be discussed in a committee, right? Which means that they're going to be approved. And then the last thing that's, no, the last thing that's been published, but there are other things that haven't been published, but they've been acknowledged. So the other thing that's been published is that they're giving Rom a slush fund, the likes of which I don't think, I mean, no ultra-Orthodox party that, you know, everybody accuses them of being uh, corrupt. They've never seen anything like that. They're getting a slush fund of a half billion a half billion shekels, no strings attached, to use as they like. Imagine that you're giving a Muslim Brotherhood aligned party, right, a, a slush fund of a half billion shekels. How much is that in, in dollars? It's about a hundred million dollars, $150 million to use as they like over the next four years. It's a million dollars a day it works out to. What are they going to do with that? And just to, to add two, two more facts. Um, one is, is uh, polygam polygamy among the, the Bedouins. They have been importing importing wives from uh, from the territory. So this has been... And also the, from Sinai. And, and So this has been like a, 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 a road to, to bypass Israeli immigration laws and, and enlarge the population hugely. There, there, are, there are Bedouins with hundreds of children and hundreds of grandchildren. Because it, 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 and this is, this is a horrible, horrible thing to these women. And this is, this is probably the most downtrodden sector of Israeli society is the Bedouin women who live under polygamy. And of course, the progressive feminist left has been absolutely silent about this. The only thing that I've heard was this woman worked in, in, in an office near mine at Hebrew University who blamed Zionism for polygamy. So the, the only way they can fit this horror into their progressive worldview in which Zionism is supposed to guil be guilty of everything is, is this way. And, and, and it's a crime of the state of Israel that it did not impose its laws against polygamy. It's against the national interest, but pr primarily it's it's about humans, human rights. These women are just, you know, I've visited some of these communities and you see what actually happens. You see what happens is the wife, when she gets a little old and she's not that attractive anymore to the husband, she's relegated to some shack at the end of a, a land that has been taken over and she and and her children become second, third, fourth, seventh uh, tier family members in their extended family. So it's horrible. And the second thing I want to say, it's a sad joke that I that I saw someone. But wait, put on bef Twitter. before you say, before you yeah. go on to the second thing, one of the things that has been acknowledged but not published is that Net Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid have given oral acceptance of ending the law barring what's called family unification so that they, the one thing that has blocked this demographic time bomb from detonating that you're describing of bringing in women from Gaza and from the Sinai and from Judea and Samaria and marrying them to Israeli Arab citizens is that uh, in 2002, uh, Israel blocked them from receiving Israeli citizenship. And so what they're saying now is that they're going to enable them to get Israeli citizenship. So then this is just, you know, tens of thousands more people that are going to be on the voter rolls that have no relationship to this country. Yeah, and, and what's the second move, thing? And, and I think we, we should we should be moving to the, the personalized laws. But what was the second thing that you were going to say? The second thing was a joke I saw on Twitter, which is 
which was sad and funny at the same time, is that the the Zion, the, the the Jewish parties have managed to extract a concession from Ram, which will promise Jews a safe corridor through the Negev if they want to go on vacation to Elat. So this is the, these are the sort of jokes that are going on now in Twitter that Jews would be would need permission to to uh, to. To, uh, cross the Negev on their way to a vacation in that. It's, so really it's what I, you know, before we go to Netanyahu, because I think that that is the core aspect of this government that has to be discussed aside from this, I think that, you know, the implication of, of the agreements that they have signed with, uh, with Ram, the, uh, are, are legion. But the most important one is that it, it is more than anything else. I mean, you know, they're going to do things with uh, with uh, conversions law and with the uh, state rabbinical courts and all sorts of things that are going to be uh, uh, like just diabolical for Israel's ability to remain a Jewish state. But if you put that aside completely, the internal is uh, Jewish ish issues, the religious Jewish issues of, of this government or the anti-religious aspects of this government, and you just look at, at what they've agreed to with the Negev, they, this is a, a post-Zionist to anti-Zionist government. This is a government that is reneging on Israel's sovereignty in the largest area of the country, in the Negev. They are renouncing it. Like you said, this safe quarter, you know, uh, uh, black humor jokes, you know, the macabre jokes, uh, is actually true. I mean, they, they, if they say that we are not going to enforce the law at all towards Israeli Arabs, then what they're saying is that we're not sovereign anymore. This is not a country anymore. If you're only going to enforce the laws towards certain as certain parts of your country and the rest get to do what they want and they have a half billion shekels to do whatever they want, then, then, then you're saying I'm no longer a sovereign country. I'm no longer a Jewish state and I'm no longer a sovereign state because inside of my own sovereign borders, I'm not going to do anything. And so I think... You know that is the implication of what they've agreed to. No less, no less. This is an this is an abrogation of Israeli sovereignty. And yeah, uh, it, having it, said that, with that happy, you know, in, in that happy note, you know, let's move on to what they're doing to Bibi. Yeah, just just one. I can't help myself but but comment on this because I saw Limol Samimian, who's a very smart commentator, say this. There, the, the the settlers, the religious settlers who follow Naftali Bennett, have have uh, displaced the Palestinian state to the poorer sectors of Israel. They will have their own settlements in Judea and Samaria, but they're creating a Palestinian state where it would only hurt the poorer, uh, mostly Mizrahi Israelis of the kind that live in Be'er Sheva. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. Limor is wrong. She's totally wrong. This is just what's gonna what's happening today. The day after tomorrow... Uh, all of these, uh, all of these Naftali Bennett voters are going to see that uh, the communities in Judea and Samaria, where I live and where another half million Israelis live, are all going to be uh, under threat, uh, no less and likely more than what's happened in the Negev. And you know, we see this as well in Jerusalem. Where that, does, you know, that doesn't mean she's know. wrong. It's just their wrong calculation. They think that they're relegating the Palestinian state to the Negev. The Judea and Samaria are next. Um, it, it's very clear because already we hear that portions of this coalition behind Naftali Bennett's back have yeah, of been, course behind his back. Have been have been hinting to the American administration that we are again ready to discuss the two state solution or saying it outright. Yeah. 
Um, and so let's let's just go to Netanyahu, and then if we want to, if we have time, which I doubt, uh, we'll go to what they're doing with the Palestinians. So and and Biden, our friend Joe Biden, our buddy, our buddy, our buddy Biden. Anyway, yeah. So let's go to Netanyahu. What are they doing with Netanyahu? Why don't you start this one? Yeah, they, they are they are trying to tailor a, a series of personalized uh, laws, which are designed specifically to prohibit Netanyahu for competing. Uh, for re-election again, and and the the rumors yesterday was that not only are they going to, to to try for a law limiting the the number of terms that a prime minister can can serve, which is which is a crazy idea if your if your system of government is not a is not a presidential one because he's leading a party. You're basically you're basically telling the party that it can't elect its own its own preferred officials. But they're also going to try and bar him from running to the Knesset. And part of this is the whole campaign. No, they actually been... already post put a bill before the Knesset on that, which is yeah. which is you know this is already they're trying to move this forward already now. Yeah. And and, and the other part is is the 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 idea that you cannot run if you are indicted now this is this is the, the law in, in this in this uh, uh, subject has been amended in 2001 by a huge majority comprising almost uh, three fourths of the Israeli Knesset uh, to say that a, a a prime minister can keep serving um, until he is he is uh, not, what do you say, Mursha, uh, until he until is convicted. He's, until he, until he, is he convic- has a final conviction. A, until final, conviction a final conviction in the last appeal. And right. why is that? Why is that? Because in Israel, unlike the more democratic system that the United States has, uh, a, a, a the attorney general can decide almost on his own to indict a politician. And if you are forcing a politician to resign when he is indicted, this means that the attorney general holds the power to remove an elected government. This is unheard of in in democracies. We don't need to tell our American audience how complicated it is to remove a president. Here is our head of the executive and a single public servant is going to hold the power unelected. to remove him and unelected, unelected unelected because here he's part of the civil service it's not like in america where where the president uh, can appoint his own uh, attorney general so this is this is outrageous and the reason they're doing it is because this whole bureaucracy is belongs to the same left leaning progressive elite and it's it 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 seeks to take the power to remove elected government because they have failed since 1977 almost always to win the ballot. So they have to bypass democracy, and this is what they're trying to do. And all this is couched in this moralistic in this moralistic uh, discourse in which people say, but someone who is indicted, you you would never hire a nanny who is under indictment. Of course I would not hire a nanny who's under indictment, but a nanny is not an elected official. This is, this is, and nobody thinks the attorney general is a tool to remove nannies. This is, this is just completely hypocritical. What they are doing behind this facade of moralistic uh, um, grandstanding is an attempt to to take the power to remove the right wing from government by an an unelected 
a civil servant. It's not just, I mean, yeah, obviously you're absolutely right. More power to you. Yeah, you got it, man. You got it, man. But no, but the, uh, but the thing here also is that what they're trying to do, it, I, they're trying to do two things. Remember when, when, when Trump, God bless Trump, when Trump was uh, under attack, you know, and they said he was working for Russia and Ukraine and whoever, and he had this, he had this mem or whatever out on, on Facebook, which is that, you know, they're going after me because I'm protecting you. So that like the idea was that I'm holding back the floodgates of this progressive tyranny. And if they get rid of me, they're coming after you, which of course we see with the hundreds of American citizens who are now rotting in jail for trespassing on Capitol Hill on January 6th. And we're seeing it with a critical race theory and we're seeing it with you know all of these different initiatives that the go- that the that the Democrats and the Biden administration are putting for at the border where they're opening it up to you know anybody who wants to join and then they whatever so we see that this was true and with Netanyahu it's the same way because they view him as the American left view Trump as the principal uh, bar to their seizure of power over all things Israel. Related, whether it's Iran, the Palestinians, the legal fraternity, uh, um, public discourse, uh, our dealings with the United States, everything, everything that they don't want to have done, sovereignty, all of these things, Netanyahu was blocking them from achieving by remaining in power. Um, and uh, when we look at the at the agreements that they're that they've already signed with one another. Uh, we see that they were absolutely right, and that if they get rid of him, you know, this is this is all going to collapse. But the other thing that's blocked it is Likud, the Likud Party. The Likud Party is basically, um, I, I mean, I don't want to wax, uh, you know, rom- romantic about it. It's it's a party. It's it's a bare knuckles uh, political party that advances a lot of people who are not my cup of tea. Uh, and a lot of people who are, but you know, it, it's got its own internal pathologies. The thing of it is that it is an independent political force. It's a democratic party. It uh, its leaders are chosen by members. It has hundreds of thousands of members who vote uh, for the central committee. They vote for the Knesset list, and so you have you have an entity that is fully independent of all of these elites. And they keep electing Netanyahu. And so what they need in order to kind of, you know, cement their control over all aspects of Israeli society, they being these unelectable uh, snot-nosed politicians who tell us that there's a difference between regular promises and core promises when the regular promises are things we care about and the core promises are things that they care about, right? And so that's the difference. And so what they want to do is break up Likud. So not only are they saying that Netanyahu can never run again, right? He can't, I mean, he's going to be 76 in the next elections. He's not going to run when he's 80, you know? So, so what he, they're saying is that they want to ban him from politics, Completely, him personally, and they and they do this again. You know, you said they wax moralistic, but they also Democrat. They said, "Oh, we need term limits." So we checked. Um, me and my friend Avi Bell, we checked last night term limits in de- uh, in parliamentary democracies. So it works out that there are four democracies that impose term limits on prime minister: Cuba, China, Vietnam, and Thailand or Mongolia. Mm-hmm. All known. 
for their advanced parliamentary democracies, right? Oh, and by the way, Mongolia itself is a presidential system. So no parliamentary democracy worth its snuff has any term limits on its on its prime ministers. But they say we need term limits. That's what you do in a democracy. This is another lie. Um, but they they also have things there that are geared towards busting up Likud as a political party. Um, they want to change a law that makes it easier for um, Likud uh, breakaway factions to leave the party and join this this government. So they that uh, they it, this it, and you know, I don't know whether we want to get into the weeds, but basically the law right now is you need a third of a faction to break off in order to form an independent faction and and join a government. And in the Likud's case, that would mean you need ten, which they're never going to get. So now they're dropping it. There's no you don't need a third. You only need four. So what they're trying to do is 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 prime the pump to get four of Guidon's friends to leave Likud and join this government. And and everything is about breaking up Likud. And then the other thing is that if they pass this law, Netanyahu has already made clear that he's going to be the head of the opposition and that what he's planning on doing if this government actually gets sworn in is have very quick... Uh, leadership elections for Likud chairmanship, and then anybody who wants to join, including Knesset's former Knesset speaker, you know, and and health minister Yuli Edelstein, or former Jerusalem mayor Nir Barkat. Uh, you told me before we started filming that Edelstein already threw his hat into the ring. Um, you know, Edelstein is is. I always thought that he was part of this gang who wants to unseat Netanyahu. He could lose. And then if they pass the law with four, he can join them. So the the whole idea here is to destabilize and undermine and dismantle Likud as a political party. And, and so they're going after Netanyahu, but just like we saw with Trump, they're going Netanyahu to come after Israel, not just to come after its voters, but as we see with the, the renunciation of sovereignty in the Negev and the renunciation of the power to enforce laws towards Israeli Arabs writ large, we're looking at a post-Zionist government. We're looking at a government that doesn't care about anything. Now, here and, I just want... And they have yeah. an ideology. It's not just, you know, it's not just... Uh, you can't uh, uh, ascribe it all to meanness. They, they're, they're, their North Star is a progressive view. And, and, and in the progressive view, the enemy of humanity is, of course, national identity. So they're, the, the, at least the, the left-wing part of this coalition, and especially the Arab coalition, and certainly the Muslim Brotherhood, who are against, they're even against Palestinian nationalism. They they are sort of pan-Islamists. They are pan-Islamists, and, and, they, and they see a, they see the the little Jewish state as an invasion of the the Muslim space, but but the the Israeli left wing uh, um, uh, parties are very much like the radical progressive wing of the Democratic Party in America. The West is always to blame for everything. Uh, nationalism is bad, and Jewish nationalism is just a a a laundered term for colonialism so they are actually they they actually welcome the dismantling of the national character of the state which is why they fight tooth and nail for some 35 odd thousand 
uh, illegal African labor migrants in, in order to in, in order to 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 prevent the state from removing them because because the problem is not the migrants the problem is the 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 law of return the national Jewish identity of the state and this is what they're working to dismantle Naftali Bennett I don't think even begins to understand this um, because he he sees only only the surface of things and this is Caroline I have to tell you something that I think has gone seriously wrong with the national religious uh, sector of Israeli society or at least with part of its elite is that it has always tended to identify Israeli national identity with with Judaism as a religion and therefore it is not sensitive enough to the dismantling of a secular Jewish national identity I, I don't know that that's really what's what is true I don't think that uh, national religious uh, Israelis uh, only think of uh, Judaism as a religious issue I think that that's I don't I don't see that borne out in the actions what I do see is and I hate to use the term, but I I see an, uh, a childishness, a puerile, uh, a puerile character of uh, the national religious uh, community and everything that relates to politics. And I don't like to use the term childish, because I expect more and I demand more, and I don't I don't like to ascribe those kinds of characteristics. But there is this childishness of of throwing tantrums when they don't get their way from their own people. Um, you know, they, they, they uh, brought down Shamir in 1992 uh, because he went to uh, the Madrid uh, peace conference. Uh, they brought and then they got Rabin and they got the Oslo agreement the next year, which was a disaster. They brought down Netanyahu in 1999 because he went to the Y Plantation uh, conference uh, with the PLO and agreed to certain things which were never implemented, but whatever. So they brought him down in 99, and then they got Ehud Barak, who gave up the Temple Mount and brought in the worst terrorism uh, campaign that we've seen since the 1930s. Um, they brought, in 2002, Netanyahu uh, ran against Sharon in leadership primaries in the Likud, uh, and they and the national religious sector went with Sharon because he was the cool guy, and not with you know Netanyahu who was who was the irritating kid who eat paste you know in class and 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 uh, and um, and and then we got the expulsion from Gaza. So each time we see this behavior, which is massively self destructive, they're angry at the left. They're not. They I mean they're angry at the right. They never are angry at at the left. And they just make the same mistakes. They brought down the sovereignty agreement last year because they said they didn't get enough. And now they're facing a Muslim government uh, uh, involved, a uh, dominant uh, government that is going to be a disaster. So I, I don't know that you can ascribe it to specific definitions of Judaism, uh, but you can certainly ascribe it to political infancy. But oh, anyway, I, we're over I, time. Have- yeah, I'll have more to say about that. So I was going to say that we should put this down for one of our next conversations because okay. the, because the, the the religious Zionists are 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 fascinating to me. I once wrote, by the way, an amazing book about this. You should it's absolutely. All right, I have to read, read it, it so I can disagree with it heartily. <laughs> okay, let's do that soon. Anyway, all right. Uh, so thank you very much for tuning in. As you can see, uh, this is a never-ending conversation, but we do want to let you, you know eat lunch so we're gonna we're gonna get off now and and uh and uh we'll talk about this we'll revisit all of these issues next week in another exciting episode of the carolyn glick 
Middle East News Hour with co-host Gotti Taub. And don't and- forget to subscribe. Exactly. That was my next thing. So last of all, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel or Rumble channel or Apple uh, iTunes uh, podcast or FM Captivate podcast, um, then you really should. And share them with your friends, share them with your neighbors, share them with people that you hate and you just want to really irritate. Whatever you want, uh, send it out. We need the truth to get out. You see that the discourse is just one lie wrapped in another, wrapped in another and being smothered by yet another one. And we just have to get the truth out because we're in a pickle and we got to figure out a way to get out of it. So we you are your feel-good conservative friends. Just tune in to this and you'll We're become so happy. optimistic I'm, I'm like happy. us. Right? We're happy. We're happy. <laughs> anyway, take care. It was Bye. great. Thanks, Carlene. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.